Welcome to the Journey Church Podcast. It's our hope that the next few moments lead you closer to Jesus, encourage you to grow, and equip you to exist for those not yet here. If you enjoyed today's message, we'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast so that we can bring you fresh content every week as you continue in your walk with Christ. us online. It's good to be with you today. We are in week number six of this sermon series we started uh, going to finish out our summer with called What's, What's the Line? What, What's the Line? want to make you aware of an event tomorrow night before I get going. Welcome to church nights tomorrow night, 645. If you're not a part of what's going on, and here's what I mean by a part, you can come but not be a part. Did you know that? Did you guys, anybody, like some of you shaking your head, but you're not a part. And so you're like, yeah, I understand. You don't understand because Sometimes you can come to church, but you're not really a part of the church, and eventually you fall away from the church, and you're like, I don't understand what happened. It's because you were never a part of the church. And so there's a difference that happens when you get out of your seat, and you start to become involved in what's going on at church. There's something that happens where it becomes not the church you go to, but, but your church you're a part of. There, there's a difference there, and I, I want that for you. I, I always tell people at Welcome to Church, now we don't need you. We don't need you. We don't need more people to serve. Uh, we don't need more money, right? Like it's not, that's not the motivation of the event. Uh, but we want more people to find, find the joy and the satisfaction and the purpose of being connected to something bigger than themselves. And so church is a great first step, but it's not your last step. If your heart's still beating, God still wants to work through your life. Do you guys know that? Come on, you got to preach. 830, they were, they were hard, right? So you guys are not supposed to be like that to me. 945, you got to be easy, right? And so am I preaching truth? There you go. Okay, you're going to amen like the 11, 11 o'clock service. And so uh, they're crazy. And so anyway, oh man, but if you want to come to that, you get signed up on, on the way out. Both of our, our tables, first time, second time guests, you can stop there. If you don't have time to stop there, you can get on your app. You can go on the website, journey.church, and you can fill out the information right there. We'll get you all the stuff that you need. And we have a free meal, and we have free child care tomorrow night, and your kids are going to have a great time. And so make sure you get here if you're not and never came or you're not a part yet of what's going on. But we are in uh, week number six, and so uh, I've been telling you kind of the flow of the, of the sermon. So we've done abortion, we did sexuality, then we followed those up with questions. Last week I did gender, and we're going to follow that up with some, with I have seven questions. We had a lot more, but I kind of tried to summarize some of them and put them together. And then next week we're going to talk about alcohol, and so it should be fun. And uh, somebody asked me, close to me, said, hey, what's, what's the sermon topic that's going to get the most people mad? I said, easy alcohol. Because <laughs> like, it... Church people don't have a problem most of the time with gender. Some of us do, and like figuring that out, and, and abortion. We're pretty like pretty consistent in, in church. Like let's let's value life, and like you know there might be a little bit of tension there, but alcohol is a different topic. And I just want to encourage you. The Bible says to pull the plank out of your own eye before you worry about the speck in your brother's eye. So don't not come because you're like I don't I don't want to hear about that, right? I don't want. I enjoy when he preaches to somebody else and not and not me, right? Like. And so we're not, listen, we're not going to talk about anything outside of Scripture. I just want to take you to the Bible because I think alcohol and, and just addiction in, in general are a pretty big, big thing that we should probably talk about in church if we're going to talk about all sorts of other things that make us uncomfortable. And so with that being said, let's head into the questions uh, that you submitted based on, on gender and all the things we talked about last week. Ground, ground rules again, in Scripture, I'm going to give you Scripture. These question pertains, it's in the Bible, I can find it. I'm going to give you Scripture. I'm not going to give you my opinion. I'm a plagiarizer. I don't know if you knew that or not. I preach a book that was given to me uh, 
from the Lord. It was passed down from generation to generation, and I take it, and I preach it to you. And so if you have a problem with it, take it up with, up with God. And so, like, it's not me. I'm going to tell you what I think it says, and we're going to go from there. And so then the, the second thing is, if it's not, in the, it's not in the Bible, the question's a little bit newer, and we're going to find some scriptural common sense. We're going to take a look at the Bible. There's a lot of practical areas in there that speak to topics. And if it's not in any of those, there's a few of these questions today that I'm still wrestling with, I'm going to give you my opinion. And here's the thing about my opinion. I'm not perfect. I don't know if you knew that or not. Some of you might be shocked to hear that. Just talk to my wife. And so and we can disagree. That's one of the things that I love about, about the Lord is you can disagree with somebody but still love them. We, we should, that might be the first thing we should talk about. You can disagree with somebody and still respect them as a human being. See them as a, a, a creation of God, a person. And so uh, we're going to kind of work through these questions. And I love the first question because the first question is a lead into a conversation that I need to have with you as we go through this, 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 this message and this series. But somebody asked, as a Christian, how do we approach those who say they are gender fluid, trans, etc.? I've seen a lot of Christians mocking, attacking, and showing hate towards people, especially online, and it breaks my heart, they said. I know what God says about gender, but sometimes I feel frozen when confronted by people identifying as such. Uh, how can we show people then that they are loved while also not agreeing with their lifestyle and furthermore leading them to, to Christ? And so there's this, this balance. And th the next question I put in there is very similar to, to what this question is. And I just want to I I first um, start off with an apology. And my apology is, is, is from the heart. And uh, I, I am pretty straightforward in my nature. Like, I, it's from Philly, probably some Italian in me somewhere, uh, and probably just, just how I'm, I'm made. And so, uh, and sometimes I can be a little jokey and, and go a little bit too far. And so, I probably need to stop watching comedians. And so, like, and just, and I, I went home after last week's message, and I, I don't feel like anything that I said was wrong. Like, I don't look back and go, I shouldn't have said that. But I, but I have a great uh, voice in my home called my wife, the voice of the Holy Spirit, right? And so, and she told me, I loved how you illustrated the fluidity and all that stuff, but I hate how you're coming across. She said, you don't want to come across as an arrogant, pompous, she had a few other words for me. She said, because at the culture of the church, added to the church follows leadership. Remember the Titans? One of the best movies of all time. Remember the Titans? And he looked at the one guy. He said, attitude reflects leadership. Ooh, that's so good. And I started to realize that if I don't come across right in sharing these difficult topics, that I could have a hand in creating a church culture where we are living our loudest life online through posts and not seeing people as people. You see, these issues are bigger than just issues. They're there's people behind them. So when I talk about a, a young kid identifying as something that some of us will, will drop our jaws at, I don't want to come across as pompous and I don't care and this is ridiculous and look how stupid that our world is. What I want to do is I want to present to you the heart of God, which is brokenness over the state of man. And I don't think if you are at that point where you're not broken over the state of people that you ever have the right to yell at somebody they need to change. You see, the problem with so many of us is we do our loudest living online, and I started to think about what happens, and if you present the truth without Jesus, it's either divisive or it's devastating. 
I read scripture. Like, I went through the Bible, and I started to realize this. Like, they had the truth before Jesus came, but all you had was this divisive, disunified society where many people felt devastated because they knew they can never measure up to that truth. But the presence of Jesus shows up, and when Jesus shows up, he enables people not only to receive the truth, but to feel grace. And when you feel grace, it enables you to trust the presence of God, and that's where change happens. And what happens so many times, and why I love church so much, is this is where the presence of Jesus shows up in profound places and does incredible things. Let me tell you somewhere the presence of Jesus most of the time is not. I'm still trying to figure social media. If you don't care enough to say, you know what, I'm going to see somebody and I'm going to maybe call them up and spend time communicating with them and sitting down at a table and looking them in the eye. And l- Can I just tell you something Christians need to get better at? How many ears you have? Come on. Come on now. You're not going to be like that all day today. How many mouths do you have? There's a lesson there. Shut your mouth more. L- l- listen more. The heart of God is for people. It's broken for people. And if you're not willing to get into that fight, but you're just going to yell from, from a distance, this is my job. But you know what I hate? I hate that in my, my community, this is now sometimes how people see me. I know it is because in our, in our building that we're in, they have kids in here all week. And I'm walking out of our, of our, our auditorium. And one of the kids in the camp says, that's the abortion guy. And he ran, right? I'm like... I'm not the abortion guy. I'm the eagle. I like to eat, right? Like, I'm just a normal guy. Like, this is my job. I got to share the truth because I'm subject to the truth. And you can't trust the coward. But I want to present the truth in a loving way. God's for people. Like, I started thinking about this week. And uh, how many of you have a kid that you are, you are ferociously for? Anybody else? Like, you are, if somebody messes with your kid, it's over. You know what I'm talking about? Like, anybody ever find out somebody was bullying your kid at school and you almost went to the school? But you weren't going to find the, 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 the administrative people. You were going to find the kid. I've done that multiple times. I've seen the kids in sporting events. I just thought to myself, what can I do that nobody will see, right? And so... And this week, Carter, he's 14 years old, and so he's, he's, he's starting to grow up, and he, he's working, he's saving money, and so we had an agreement uh, this year, uh, this, this year, I said, if you work to, to this much and you save up this much money, then you can spend some of that money, but you have to save up this much money before you can spend any money, right? And so it was just devastating. Every week, he's like, can I just get a t-shirt? I'm like, you can get nothing, right? The only thing you're allowed to do is tithe, and so, and you're not allowed, you get to tithe, right? And so I'm giving him a sermon. <laughs> And so we're tied. And so he gets to, to the money, the level that I told him he needs to get to. And uh, he uh, went to the mall this week with his friend. First time he's ever really been to the mall by, by himself. And how many of you know life is a lesson? Life's a lesson. And so he uh, was walking by one of the kiosks in the middle of the mall. I don't know if you work at one of the kiosks in the middle of the mall. But if you don't, right, if you do, just ignore what I'm about to say. How many of you know you never stop at one of those kiosks? <laughs> you don't stop. They don't, you're a girl. They don't want to put lotion on your hands. They want to charge you $100. It's not from the Dead Sea, right? It's from Walmart. And so, like, you just, like, you know, I, I, I've been talked into before. And so he's walking by, and, and in the mall, like, kid, kids are really into shoes now. And so he's walking by. His shoes are dirty. And he goes to one of the kiosks where they'll cl- clean your shoes. And the guy says, I, I'll clean your shoes. It's free. He's 14. He doesn't know. There's nothing in the world for free. 
So he stops by the kiosk, and the, the guy convinces him it's free, cleans one of his shoes, not both of his shoes, and tells him, uh, okay, what does it look like? Carl says, it's great. He goes to get down because he's like, I don't, I don't want to pay this guy. I got to go. You said it's free. He said, he said, aren't you going to tip me? And Carter said, what? He said, well, I usually get 40 bucks to do two shoes, so you at least owe me $20. He said he brought the machine out, he put it in front of him, and he basically said, insert your card or I'm going to make a scene because you're not giving me a tip and you need to tip me. Carter called frantically. He's like, I don't want you to be mad, but I got taken advantage of. And I had to go to football practice with my son that night. It was probably only the grace of God that was in my life at that point because I was two seconds away from getting in the car. And going down to that kiosk and making a scene. In fact, before I went to football, I spent almost an hour trying to get a hold of the king of Prussia Mall. Nobody answers the phone if you ever need to. <laughs> trying to get on the phone with the guy to threaten him with the spirit of Jesus. <laughs> and it, I just, it was just, this is the heart of God for people. Like, it, if you ain't there for people, you need to be quiet. Like, that, that's, that, that is... Like, one of the charges in Scripture, in Thessalonians, Paul says, I love this verse. I love what he says because so many Christians miss it. He says, he says, he says make it your ambition to lead a what? Everybody read that with me. What does it say right there? To lead. Can you read it? Because it's kind of blurry. Some of you old. A quiet life. Make it your ambition to lead a quiet life, he says. You should mind your own business and work with your hands just as you were told. Watch this. So your daily life may win the respect of outsiders. You know why more people don't listen to Christians? Because you're a joke. Your integrity lacks. You're lazy at work. You know all the answers. But you're late when you get to work. You complain all the, all, 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 all the time. You point the finger out. Somebody tries to correct you, you get mad, you quit, you leave your job, you take your ball, and you go home. You know how I know you do that at work? Because too many people do that here. So instead, let's, let's, God, give me a ferocious heart for the people that you came to, to die for, and then let me earn a platform in this world to speak your truth by my daily my daily life. So I just want to tell you, I'm sorry if you started getting the drift that I want you to start being a social media warrior. I don't. I don't want you to go down to the street corner and protest. All I want you to do if you decide to go down to your city is pick up trash and see how you can bless them. I don't want you to wear your Jesus shirt and go around and, and I want you to show Jesus in your life. You don't even need to wear that shirt. That shirt's not cool anyways. Let's just be honest. That, that those clothes were overcompensation for the lack of effort that most Christians make in their physical life. Am I just talking right? Have I offended you? Okay, let's move on. And so, number two, Jesus was one of the most inclusive people in the Bible. I absolutely love this question. That was one of the biggest teaching points growing up in Sunday school as a kid and a teen. Anybody remember Sunday school? Worst name in the history of the world for something you wanted your kids to like. And so, why is it now that as a young adult in your services... Inclusiveness is being taught as negative. It's confusing and disappointing. So, I thought you were like a young church. I thought you were inclusive. You're preaching a message doesn't feel inclusive. It's what we learned in church. I'm getting two messages. One person said, How would, what would Jesus do? He loved people in the lowest places. It doesn't make sense, right? How do you respond when somebody who's gay or trans, an individual says to you, 
Jesus loves everyone, so he loves me and I'm going to heaven. So this, this whole thing, like Jesus loves everyone, Jesus is inclusive, Jesus is for people. You just talked about how Jesus is for people, so why are you being such an exclusive person? And, and, and so I just want to kind of break this, this question down because it's a good one, right? So the first thing that we need to make sure we understand is when somebody says, Jesus loves everyone, so that's why I'm going to heaven, that's not biblical. That's not, that's not in the Bible. The Bible doesn't say you go to heaven because Jesus loves you. The Bible says that Jesus loved you and he came to die on the cross for your sins, right, for all of our sins. He, he paid the price and anybody who receives that gift of salvation goes to heaven, but you receive it through repentance. You don't receive it through a prayer at the end of a service. That's a great starting point. You don't receive it through confirmation class. You don't receive it through a, 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 a burial plot at a church somewhere. You don't receive it because your great-grandma was a Methodist or a Mennonite or Assemblies of God, and it's just in your genes. You receive it because at some point you were confronted with your sin and what Jesus did for you on the cross, and you decided, I don't want to live the life that I'm doing anymore, and you literally turn your life away from your sinful past and what you're doing in your life, and you give it to Jesus Christ, and you run with all of your might towards him. Do you, do you see the difference? You don't get to heaven because Jesus, Jesus loves you. In fact, we, we see this in Scripture. The Bible says in Acts 2, they said, what are we supposed to do? You're preaching Jesus. What does he say? Repent and be baptized, every one of you. In the name of the Father, uh, or, or Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Spirit. And I love this right here, what John says. He says, no one who lives in sin, keep, who lives in him keeps on sinning. No one who continues to sin has either seen him or known him. So he wants to break it down for us. Here's how you know you have a relationship with Jesus Christ. You can't possibly live in sin. It breaks your heart. The conviction of the Spirit says, not today, knucklehead. Oh, no, you can't do that. You have a problem with lust? we got to get that under control. You can't, you can't quite possibly keep doing that. You can't keep that secret. We're living in a relationship. I can't live in that, in that spirit that you're living in because light and darkness don't coexist. So we got to get rid of that. One of us is moving, and it's not me, it's your sin. That's repentance. Like, I'm going to come into church consistently, and I might have a problem with alcohol. I might have been playing for years that I don't. I might be acting like a social drinker, but next week, he's going to speak about what's going on. And the spirit of the living God through the Holy Spirit is, is going to convict me because I have some areas that I need to change in in this situation. What am I going to do? I'm going to immediately turn my life towards Jesus Christ because that's what it means to be a Christian. You live in a constant state of desire for him, more of him, less of you. But let me just take on the second part because, you know, that's one of those things. Like, you ever, so godliness, you know, cleanliness is next to godliness. You ever hear that? You're like, it's in the Bible somewhere. I try to tell my kids that, but you're lying to your kids, right? Like, right? Like, you, we just, we, we hear that so much. God loves everyone, so everyone goes to heaven. God loves me just the way that I am. It's true, but you start a relationship through repentance. So here, here's the thing. Jesus then, if you really understand Jesus, he's the most inclusive, exclusive person. I'm about to blow your mind. That the world has ever known. He's the most inclusive, exclusive person. Let me show you where he's inclusive. Because all, the, Bible, the Bible's clear. All of us have a chance to turn towards Jesus. So what does it say in John 3, 16? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever, that whosoever, that's, that's everyone. Whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. First Timothy says, here's a trustworthy worthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ came into the world to save sinners of whom I'm the worst. The writer of scripture, 
He's not playing. He's telling you, I'm the worst of the worst. But Jesus came to save me. Jesus is inclusive in who he welcomes. Every person is welcome at his table, but he's exclusive also. He doesn't say, come, do whatever you want. You want to be spiritual, you want to come to church sometimes, you want to not come to church, you want to add in some exercise, you want to get in touch with your signs, you want to read your horoscope, you want to bring a little Islam in here, a little, little Hinduism, we'll just mix them all together. As long as you're a good person, you can come in, into, into, into my, 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 my kingdom, like everybody's welcome. Jesus never says any of that. In fact, Jesus is downright rude. He's rude. He, he says, I'm the most inclusive person. Anyone can come to me. But watch what he says. Watch what he says. I love this. John 14. He said, but remember, the way you get to me is through me. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No, everyone is welcome, but no one comes unless you come through me. How do you get to Jesus? Repentance of your sins. Get, get, am I? Some of you are like, I never heard this before in church. I'm sorry you never heard the gospel, right? It's the only way you get to heaven. Watch what he says in Matthew 7. This is, this, this, this is a good verse. He says, enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. Enter through the narrow gate. Me. And then he says this. He says, for many enter it. But small is the gate and narrow is the road that leads to life. And only a few find. There's only one way. I've been watching a lot of documentaries, sports documentaries. Uh, I've watched the, the Captain documentary by Derek Jeter. Uh, uh, his documentary. I've watched uh, Tom Brady's documentary. I watched The Last Dance. I've been watching. So I'm so desperate for good shows. I'm watching a soccer documentary right now on the Arsenal. Right? Like I, I am just infatuated with culture and expectations and old athletes. They don't make. If you're under the age of 25, I'm sorry for you. Because you don't get athletes like we got. You don't get Kobe's that spent, you know, 20 years and Derek Jeter's. And, and I thought Tom Brady was one of those. But I should have known that he wasn't. And so, but like I, I watched the Tom Brady uh, do documentary. And he said, he said they said, what, makes, what made the pa Patriots special? It was all the, the Patriots were talking. And they said the Patriot way. Right? And we would say the Patriot way is not fun. But winning is fun. Right? And so, like winning is fun. And so they said, well, what's the Patriot way? And they all, it was crazy. They always just, they said, do your job. Do your job. You would hear that over and over and over again. And he said, what was so interesting about the Patriot way is in the locker room, oftentimes in most teams, there's a section of disgruntled players in every locker room. Not a locker room, maybe. Maybe it's your classroom. Not a classroom. Maybe it's your place of business. There is always a spot for disgruntled people. He said, except on the Patriots. If you came in and you were disgruntled, you try to find that disgruntled corner, it did not exist. So you either got with the Patriot way or you got traded. I love that. It's real simple. You want to follow Christ, you repent of your sins, you let go of your old way of life, and you begin to follow him. You allow him to destroy and kill sin and bring life into you. If you don't, he says, that's fine, but it's all or nothing, he says. Like, that, that's hard for us to hear because we're control freaks, but he says, you give me all of the control or I'll take, I'll take none of it. Let's, let's, keep, let's keep going. Number three, got to hurry. Uh, how do you respond when someone says that people are born gay or another gender? Can they actually be born or created by God that way? And uh, this is one of those debate ones. Nobody knows. There's this balance that, that happens. There's been scientific studies, you know, to say that people are born gay. It's not been scientifically proven, but I mean, sometimes I don't even understand science anymore. And so... Uh, like, I don't know. I'm not, I don't want to debate that. Like, I, I don't know. Like, there's this whole argument, nature versus nurture. You ever heard that? Like, 
what are we born with and naturally and what's nurtured inside of us. And, you know, in my experience with conversations I've had, not from, you know, just looking, but actual physical conversations with people, when somebody's been messed up sexually, uh, when I've met, met people that are promiscuous with their sexuality, there's usually something in, in, that's been nurtured in their life, a wound or something that's happened in their life to cause them to, ha to have problems. And so you see that. You can study that. Like every, every person in porn, if you st like study the effects of what's going on, but women who give themselves over to that, there, there's a very, very high likelihood that they were sexually molested or abandoned by their father. Which is one of the reasons, if you're, a, if you're a son of God, that you should get rid of pornography because you are disgrading uh, uh, and putting down a daughter of God. So you think about that. If you had a daughter and somebody was, was participating in something like that over them, I'm going to take you back to the, to, the, to the mall. What would you do? It's not, it's not innocent, right? And so is it nature or is it nurture? And here's what I would say about that. It doesn't matter. That, that, that doesn't matter. Anybody have a toddler in here? Anybody have a toddler that lies? Come on now. Don't, don't, no, my kid. My, okay, well, my kids all lie. Easy. Like when I came home last week and Harrison had put a hole through my brand new basketball hoop, and I looked at him and I said, who did it? His first reaction, because he was afraid, was, I didn't do it. I don't know who did it. Like, they, they, they lie from, anybody, anybody have a, a, a kid and they're just selfish? Like, they just, like, you, they, you buy them something, but they won't share it? That's the epitome of selfishness or greed or, 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 or anger. Like, yeah, anybody's kid, did you teach them to do any of that? They, they, they come out doing that. That's what the Bible says. The Bible says that we are born with this sin nature. So the question is not, were you born that way? That's, that's. That doesn't matter. The, the truth is, is, is that a reason or excuse for you to embark and embrace something because you were born that way? I think I was born with a bent towards being unforgiving. I had a grandma who had Italian in her, and I got to tell you, she was rough around the edges growing up. And I think, passed down in my core, what I know about my grandma and Italians is we're pretty hardcore. And if you do something wrong, we'll cut you off, right? Like, am I right? Any other time? And so, like, I just have that in me. And so I just want to embrace that. I want to go around, somebody makes me mad one time, done. The problem is I can't find it in Scripture where the Bible says, well, you were born like that, so it's fine. In fact, I, I would just, this is how I would answer this, this question. It, the, the Bible, the message of the Bible is when you come to Christ, you need to be born, born again. Jesus has this conversation with Nicodemus. He's this, this kind of secret follower of Christ, but he's still trying to, trying to wait it out, and he doesn't know if he wants to lose his position. And so he comes to Jesus at nighttime. He says, what do I got to do to follow you? What do I got to do to get in the kingdom of God? What, what do I got to do? And Jesus is like, you got to be born again. What does that mean? Well, it sounds like rubbish, right, to people that don't know Jesus. Jesus is going to come in and change me, and he's going to make me new, and he's going to give me a new mind and a new perspective, and, a, and I'm going to see things differently, and I'm not going to be a, 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 a victim of the things that have been done to me or spoken over me, but I'm going to live a life where I'm more than a conqueror. If you tell somebody that doesn't know Jesus, it seems ridiculous. 
But for those of us who have met Christ, we physically, spiritually, emotionally, every part of us, it, it's changed, right? Like Jesus begins to change you from the inside out. Sometimes you can't even understand it. Like the things that you struggle with for your entire life, you come to Jesus and instantly, because he's that good, sometimes he just changes them. Other times he takes you on a, on a journey where he begins to mold you and make you and form you. And so when somebody says, hey, somebody was born that way or somebody's been like that since they were a kid, so it has to be okay because God doesn't make mistakes and he doesn't make junk and he doesn't do all these things. I want to remind you that all of us are born with the sin nature and all of us need to be born again through Jesus Christ. All of us. All of us. Let me just give you a few more, a few more. I got to hurry. Uh, number, number, number four. What do you do if your child comes to you? Oh, you can come play me out so I preach faster. Comes to you and says that they're gay or another gender. What do you do? What do you do in those situations? What would, what would you do is the question. What would I do? And so uh, this is one of those opinion ones. I can't tell you what to do, but I try to put myself in the situation. And it's, some of you are like, seems so out of, out of the ordinary, wouldn't happen. You know, in my, in my life right now, I know two pastors that were prominent men that from the outside looking in, you would say they were great, great guys, like pastor, good churches, great guys. And two, two of them now have grown sons that are out of the closet and gay. So I, I don't want to get prideful and be like, it's never going to happen to me. Never going to happen to my kids. I'm not, I'm not going there. Uh, the Bible says pride comes before the fall. So I, I want to place myself in this conversation. And here's what I would do. It would, be, it would be different based on their age. If I have a kid under the age of 18, I pay their bills. I pay for his braces. I pay for your Twinkies. I buy your school lunch because there's no more COVID free lunches. I gave you a bed. You're in my house. <laughs> I'm going to parent him. We don't got enough parents. We got people that have kids, but we don't have enough parents. You ever want to see how much parenting is lacking? Just go spend a night with a bunch of kids at sports. We don't parent. Let, let, me, let me just be as true. Like, we, we don't like to tell our kids no. We don't like to discipline. We don't like to follow through. We, we, it's, it's work. Parenting is work. Does anybody know that? Sometimes easier is to give them a Kindle. Right? Put them in front of a TV. Let Oprah raise them. Right? Like, let's just... Let's just, she's not even relevant anymore, but let's let Oprah, like, let's just, let's just do that. And so I'm telling you, if this conversation happened in my house, if I had a seven and eight and nine, this is happening all over America, I would parent them. Here's what I would do. First thing, I wouldn't overreact. If they told me they were born that way or they'd be feeling like that forever, I would also remember that my kids also use the words everyone and all the time, all the time. Everyone has that all the time they do this. Every dad gives them that all the time they do this. And then I meet their dads like, I would never give that to them. I'm like, well, here I am feeling like a loser because I'm not giving in to everyone and all the time. And so I also won't give in to, I felt like this for all my life. Because all my life might be, be a season. So I'm not going to overreact the same way. The same way I don't overreact when my 12 and my 14-year-old tell me when I get older, I'm not going to church. They both said that to me over the last year. When I get older, I'm not going to church. And here's what I tell them. When you get older and you're out of my house, you can deal between you and God. But until you get out of my house, you're coming every Sunday, every service, whether we have three or ten. 
you're sitting, you're serving. I don't care if you don't like church. That's par for the journey. I was there too. But I'm still going to parent them. Like, I can't believe how many people I meet. I'm like, where's your teenager today? They were just tired. They just didn't want to come. They don't want to do nothing. That is parenting. You parent your kid. You don't overreact. Stop playing prevent defense, parents. Why are you letting your kid watch those things? Why are you letting your kid be surrounded by those things? Did any of you see the new Thor movie? Were any of you, when you watched the new Thor movie, stirred to the, the fact that you watched three or four times in the movie, you're like, why is that in here? Or did you, are you so normalized in society that you didn't even see, you're like, what is he talking about? I love that movie, right? <laughs> I loved it too, but I was like, why? Why are two rocks making a baby? Why, what are we doing? What, what's, the, what's the plot? What's the storyline? What's the agenda? Disney, what's the problem? Like, I'm not even a big Disney. I could care less at Disney clothes. I hate Disney World, right? But I got Disney Plus on my, on my, on my TV. I'm like, I'm like what's, the, what's the agenda? I walk by, and it's not just gender things. It's magic. It's all sorts of other things that you let your kids watch that you shouldn't be because the Bible is very clear that Satan is real, and he's not coming like a scary lion, but he's coming like a thief right into your home. And so I, I'm just like, I'm like, do you ever filter anything your kids? Is there anything on your kid's phone right now? I'm surprised parents, they give your kid a 7, 8, 9, 10-year-old 11-year-old kid, and then we wonder why they turn 25, 26 years old, and they're crying in the office of the pastor as a young man because they can't stop looking at pornography. And meanwhile, their parents didn't parent them during their adolescent years and said, you can't have that. Do you have any type of filter on their phone? Are you playing, you're, you're playing prevent defense. You know what prevent defense does? It prevents you from winning. Go on the attack in your kids' lives. Figure out where the, 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 the evil influence is coming and filter it out of their lives. Be a parent, right? Don't be just a friend to them in this season of their life. And the last thing, don't be ashamed. My parents are sitting in this, in this, in this place and today. And uh, when I was 13 years old, I didn't have a gender problem, but I had a stealing problem. They found out about it the last day of the summer at Dorney Park. I had a pass. I was stealing from Dorney Park all summer. And they found out I got caught. I've told you this story before. And they made some tough decisions. They parented me. They took me out of uh, public school. They put me in private school. They started to kind of be more involved in my decisions. They probably prayed for me more. I needed it. And so, uh, and they parented me. But you know what they never did? I never felt like they were ashamed of me. I was a pastor of, 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 of or the son of a pastor and a pastor's wife that had been in the same town for years. And I don't ever remember walking into church and catching a glare from people. They're like, there's the pastor's kid. And maybe they work. I don't know, Right. I was sleeping, but, but I was there, and I just, I just, I just, don't be ashamed. Walk with your kid through the season, and let me just tell you, I started thinking, what did you do with the older, what would you do with the older kid? My son came back to me and said, hey, I'm, I'm going to start living a life of homosexuality, or I'm going to be a girl. Now, what would I do? First thing I would do is I would sit them down, and I would tell them, I love you no matter what. You're my son, and that's never going to change, no, no, mat, no matter what. Same way I said when Harrison hit the ball through the, through the basketball hoop. Same thing I'm going to say when one of my sons crashes a car at one point in their life because you know that's going to happen. I'm going to say the same thing. You're my son, and I love you no matter what. I'm going to tell them you're welcome in your home anytime. But after learning from a couple other ministers and people who have been through this, the, the only hard stance I'm going to take is I'm not going to play make-believe with you. Your partner is never going to be welcome here. 
I'm not going to celebrate what God says is going to take your life down a pit because I love you. You're my son. It's never going to change. This is, that, that's just, that's my opinion. You can figure out on your own if it happens to you, but that's where I'm going to go. Let me just give you uh, two, more, two more questions. Number, number five, so many of my child's uh, peers and friends are saying that they are a different gender. How do we talk to our kids about this? How do you talk to your kids about this? And I actually have three more questions, but I'm only going to have time for two. Uh, how, do you, how do you talk to your kids about this? I, I think you're just op open and upfront. I guess you can't not talk about it. So uh, in generations past, 0.6% uh, of people had what they call gender disorder. They don't call it gender disorder anymore because you know, that, that's rude and that makes it seem like it's something that's wrong with them and we want everything to be normal and so we, we don't call it that, we call it gender dysphoria now. And it's just understanding that your, your body doesn't match your mind and you're, you know, all these things, your feelings based and so what's happening now is in your kid's school, about 5.1, some stats say to 8% of kids will say if they go to school, will say, you know, I'm struggling with my identity, I have gender dysphoria. So your kids are going to be around it. It's, it's, it's the way it is. And I'm not of, of the belief that we are supposed to take ourselves out of the world. It's just not the reaction that I think that if you're going to live on mission, that you should take. And I, it's not just school, but you should figure out how to put your family back into a place where they can make a difference. Are you tracking with me? So here's what you do. Number one, you teach your kids to love people the same way I told you. You love people. Your heart's broken for people. I made a mistake a few weeks ago when I talked about the, 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 the young kid identifying as a furry, and we kind of laughed, but that's not the heart of God. I was wrong in that situation. You teach your kids to see people and love people and value, value people, and then, then you begin to teach your kids that it's okay, it's okay for them to be different because of their faith. Heck, we celebrate being different in our culture. The only difference we don't celebrate is the Christian faith different. Everything else is cool, but if you just want to kind of say, okay, only listen to God and do what he says, I'm going to teach him. It's okay. You should expect to be different. And another thing, it's okay if some people don't like you because of your faith. And if you don't think that's okay, stop reading the Bible. Because they didn't like Elijah. They didn't prefer Elisha. Nobody liked Jeremiah. Nobody wanted to hear what Isaiah said. When Nehemiah showed up, people were mad at him. They didn't like Peter. They killed Paul. They didn't want John. They put him on the, on the, on the island, burned him alive, and they put Jesus on a cross. It's okay. It's okay to be different. And let me just give you one more question. I don't have time to answer the one about the, the coaches and stuff like that. I, I answered that first service, and, and if you want to watch it, I'm going to have enough time in the last service, or you can stick around if you want. But number seven I want to get to. It says, I'm a young woman who was saved recently, and the more I go to church, the more ashamed I am of the kind of woman that I was before that. So you're, you're preaching all these hard messages, and as you're preaching all these hard messages, uh, I, I'm, I'm being confronted with my past, and it's actually making me feel worse. I feel worse about my life. Anybody ever come to church? I feel worse. I feel more, more hurt, more pain, right? She says this, she says, uh, I know my past has been forgiven by God, but I feel like a fraud when I talk to Christian men. Am I still worthy of being called a daughter of God? So what, here's what she's saying. She's saying, uh, I'm coming to church and I'm feeling more condemned. And I want you to understand, that's not the heart of God. The heart of God is freedom. 
through correction. That's it. Like, I'm going to show you the truth. And the Bible says the truth will set you free. And so when you look at your past and what you've done, you shouldn't look through the lens of condemnation. You should actually look through the lens of celebration. I celebrate when I look at my life. Anybody ever go back and you look at old pictures of yourself? As I was preparing this message, I was like, oh, man, if, if I could just go back and see myself in college. Like, I don't have any college pictures or many of them. But if, if they could see where I came from, and I, I could, like, it would be, a, to me, it would be a moment of celebration, right? And, and, and amazement. And here's why. Because it's amazing that God used that complete idiot and trusted me with what, what I do. Anybody ever done that? You go back and look, and what was weird is in the glory and the sovereignty of God, a friend named Aaron reached out to me through Facebook, and he sent me a picture of, of, the, night that, uh, of the night before we graduated, I believe, at college with a few of my friends uh, flashing up a sign. I want to show you this picture. This is not a gang sign, by the way. This is not an inappropriate sign. This is our, our third wing sign. And so if you ever, if, I don't want to tell you because it sounds, you're going to, but all my passwords are third, like, it'll be like, what's your password? Third wing, right? And so, it's just my password. And so, uh, you can steal my identity if you want. And so, uh, but like, I look at this picture, and I'm like, this dude right here, his greatest accomplishment in college was intramural basketball champion. Two I wear that shirt every day of the last semester. I didn't wash my shirt. I didn't change my sheets. I didn't go to class. I skipped chapel every day that I possibly could. Every day. I figured out when I did go to class that they used to take role because it was a Christian college and they wanted you to have integrity. And so I figured out they used to pray before every, every class we prayed. And some of the teachers I knew would pray really long. And while they were praying, I figured out a way to crawl on my belly army style out of that class so that I didn't have to learn about theology. I barely I graduated college I still have a recurring dream that I missed an assignment and I'm still there and I'm gonna get yelled at by my my girlfriend who is now my wife Leah right and like and so I look at that picture I'm like I can't believe I don't feel condemned at all I celebrate like God used that and so when you come to church it's not about condemnation I'm not trying to remind you of how bad you've been and how low you are and how many mistakes that you've made. I'm trying to show you how good Jesus is. If he can rescue me and use me and change me and save me, he can do the same thing for you. It's not about condemnation. It's about celebration. Amen? We celebrate. In fact, I love what Romans 8 says. If you ever have time and you're having a bad day, read Romans chapter 8. It is, it is the best chapter in the New Testament outside of the Gospels. Let me just make sure I say that, right? So, but Romans 8, Paul says, he says, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You repent, you turn your life, there's no condemnation. Watch what he goes on to say in, in verse number 31. I don't have time to read the whole thing. He said, what shall we say of these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us, how will he will also with him graciously give us all things. Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to contemn, condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, he who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who is interceding for us. 
Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Uh, tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger or sword. As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, I love this. In all things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, neither angels nor rulers nor things present nor things, I love this, nor things to come. He's even covering your failures in the, in the future, nor things to, to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. The celebration. Would you stand to your feet all over this place? Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? In the last service, I had time to answer all the questions, but then I had to rush through the most important part. That's the opportunity to respond to the gospel of Jesus. He's inclusive, exclusive. He's inclusive because he invites every person here. Every person who hears my voice. Every person who's at home. He invites you into a relationship with him, but he's exclusive because he tells you there's only one way. You repent. You let go of your old way of life, and you give yourself fully to Jesus Christ. That's the only way to do it, friend. You don't add Jesus. You don't bring him into the equation. You don't try to fit him in between all of your other parts of your life. The Bible says you lay down your life. You lose it. And if you lose it there, you'll find it. In Jesus Christ and so he's here right now and I know these last few weeks and probably the next few weeks they're, they're tough weeks I know that I know there's pressure here I know that there's conviction here I know that we're, we're dealing with difficult subjects that oftentimes the church just kind of doesn't want to talk about I get all that I know that, that sometimes it's easier just to leave angry and you know just be mad and bitter but let's just forget about all that and let's just lean into the presence and the truth and the love of God. He loves you where you're at. He'll meet you right now. He'll take you as you are, but he refuses to leave you that way. He'll change you. He'll heal you. I know it sounds ridiculous if you don't know him yet. But I can tell you when you put your faith in Jesus Christ that he'll begin to do something that you could never do on your own. The one thing that he won't do, though, is he will not force himself on you. He'll set up the moment. He'll knock on the heart. He'll open up your mind and he'll speak right to you. But he cannot make the decision for you to follow him. Only you can do that. What do you do? You confess with your heart and you believe that Jesus is Lord. You take a step of faith. Jesus, come into my life. Jesus, heal me. Jesus, forgive me. And you turn yourself through repentance towards him. And in that moment, the Bible says that he'll come into your life. The spirit of the living God will fill you up. Some of you young, some of you old, some of you have been in church for years, but you've never had an experience with Jesus Christ before in your, in your life. Like you've never even felt the spirit of God. It's felt like a funeral. You've come and we've opened up a book and maybe you've never understood it before. Satan's been spiritually blinding you up to this point, but something's happened in this moment. And it's like you can see for the very first time and you realize, I need a relationship with Jesus Christ. I want to lead you in a prayer. It's a prayer of faith 
It's a prayer of trust. It's a prayer of courage. Jesus Christ, come in to my life right now. If that's you all over this place, if you're in Montgomeryville and you say, hey, that, that's me, Pastor. I want to pray together all over this house. I'm going to turn my life to Jesus Christ. I'm going to repent and turn away from my old life. That's what you're going to do right now. And I'm going to run towards the forgiving, loving, grace-filled God. If that's you all over this place, would you just shoot your hand straight towards heaven and say, hey, you're speaking to me right now. The spirit of the living God is knocking at the door of my heart. If you're in Montgomeryville and you say, hey, that's me, even in this moment, I'm, I just need to respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ right now. I need him to come in and heal me and, and make me whole. Maybe you're online, and uh, as I'm speaking, I don't even know you, but, but you feel like you're known. You feel like the Spirit of God is speaking to you, and you just need to respond to that gospel. Maybe you would just type right there in the chat, hey, I'm responding, and we're just going to begin to pray. And here's what I want you to remember. If there's nobody in this place that needs to respond, if we're all saying, you know what, I'm, I'm good, or maybe you're saying, I, I'll pass. That's, that's, that's your choice, right? Like, that's free will. What I want you to do is, as we're going to have another service, would you just pray that God would continue to fill this place? Maybe the seat that you're in has been reserved for somebody to come meet Christ, and you were just there to warm it up. You were there to, to worship the, 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 the one who saved you, and the presence of God is here already. So would you just begin to pray in faith for what God wants to do over the next service and what he continues to do both in our church in this moment and in our lives during this week. Jesus, we love you. And Lord, we thank you for this day, and we thank you uh, for all that you're doing in this church, for your truth, Lord, that sets people free. Lord, I pray right now that you would continue to move through, through, your, through your word, through your work, through what you want to do in and through this church, Lord. And Lord, those of us in this place that know you, Lord, right now we very specifically pray for that seat that's behind us. Lord, that seat that we've had a chance to sit in and just soak in your presence and lift up your name and respond to your word. And Lord, would you create an atmosphere, an atmosphere in an environment where somebody that doesn't yet know you comes into this place. And from the moment that they get here, that they would feel your love, your compassion, your mercy, and, and your grace, Lord. Lord, I thank you as we leave this place, Lord, that we're going to be people who represent you in more than what we just say, Lord, but in everything that we do. Let us have the same attitude that you gave to the, the people in the book of Jeremiah when they were exiled to a land that was far away from their home. What did Jeremiah say to do? Pray for the blessings in the community that you're at. Build houses, have babies, work hard, start businesses. Be a support. Be, 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 be a, a light. Lord, be people who live on mission in whatever community that you've placed us in. And so, Lord, we, we take that attitude that you sent to the people in the book of Jeremiah. We take that with us, Lord. Everywhere we go, we're people of mission. Every business we own is a business of mission, Lord. When our kids go back to school, or however that they are educated, they're kids that are being led on mission to seek and save this world. Lord, thank you for all that you've done. Thank you for all that you'll continue to do. In Jesus' name we pray. Hey, one more time, church, let's shout amen together. Let's clap together all over this place. Thank you for taking a few minutes out of your day to listen to our podcast. If you decided to give your life to Jesus after hearing this message or want to learn more about how you can join us in person, visit jrny.church for more resources or to find a location near you. Have a great rest of your day.